Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And welcome to episode 117 of Geek Town Radio. This week I have with me Andrew. Hello everybody. How you doing? Doing fine, Dave. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Good, good. What have you been up to the last few weeks? Uh, well, last week particularly, and a certain percentage of the population will um, sympathise with me, it's been half term. Yes. Which means I've been not watching any of the things that I want to watch. <laughs> um, I've been watching, uh, I think I've seen Robots three times. Um <laughs> Ice Age at least twice. <laughs> so yeah, if you if, if we want to talk about those, I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely not up for that. Never Star Wars. <laughs> no more Star Wars. No, we're on Return of the Jedi, which we're on for the second time now because the first time round, as with the other ones, it has to keep getting paused to explain. Well. <laughs> <laughs> to explain lots of things. Yes. So then the second run each time tends to be the one where the kids can watch it all the way through. Yes, right. <laughs> but my daughter, who's four, now has a Darth Vader dress with a Darth Vader mask. And it's... <laughs> verging on one of the cutest things you've ever seen <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> it's very cool it's very cool um but she she does still believe that i'm her father so that's all good yes that's that's the important <laughs> thing <laughs> and my, i've not had any hands chopped off or anything so we're, we're all fine. yes also so, quite useful <laughs> so that's me um i mean we'll come to we'll come to some of the titles later but as i say there's a couple of programs that are really on my list being the handmaid's tale and fargo which both started during half term and are both sitting waiting on my tivo box for me to to catch up on so right we'll, yeah we'll, we'll cover those later on i mean there has been quite a lot of of new shows surprising amount of new shows actually starting the last couple of weeks because we didn't do a full show last week so and also we've had the finales for Flash, Arrow and Supergirl as well landed this week. Each ending in slightly different places. Flash ended up with with Barry kind of leaving again. So uh, that's going to be interesting to see where they bring that back. Arrow ended by blowing up pretty much half the team mm. <laughs> or, or most of the team. So that gives them an excuse to, to have some people dead and some people come back alive. When we actually spoke to them at Comic-Con last week, uh, none of them actually knew who was coming back and who wasn't. So uh, yeah, that's kind of interesting for them. <laughs> Tell me something, and it may be a question on the lips of some other people that don't follow these uh, joined up shows as closely. If 
they are generally considered to run concurrently, the DC ones, yeah. why are we talking about the finales of three of them, but not the finale of uh, Legends of Tomorrow? Ah, Legends runs slightly shorter season than the others. So right. Legends, I think, run, ran 16 episodes, uh, not a full 22 or 23, whatever the others run. So uh, that actually finished a few weeks back and it kind of does its own thing. I mean, there is a little bit of a crossover with the others. You know, they do introduce them into some of the crossover episodes. But because you're dealing with time travel and stuff, it it sort of sits outside the timeline of of the other shows quite a lot more. Right. So that's why we're only really dealing with three of them. Okay, Um, makes sense. Makes sense. But yeah, I mean, all three worked pretty well. Uh, You know, I mean, I I still really enjoy Flash. I have to say Legends, I think, out of all of them, is still my favourite show because it's just silly and nuts. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree with that. But yeah, so I've been enjoying those. Uh, they're all back in September. There is a new show, of course, joining them, which is Black Lightning, which it looks like is probably may not start until the new year. We don't know exactly how that's going to be scheduled yet, but uh, that I'm assuming will end up on Skywater as well at some point. So, And we'll have the inevitable questions about crossovers and things linking up and of course if it doesn't go to sky one then that uh, as as the pool of shows that are joined grows and continues to grow linking them up and dealing with crossovers and things becomes more and more difficult yeah i mean technically black lightning isn't a crossover show because it's it's supposed to not be set in the same universe although i rather speculate that won't last more than a season before they end up folding it in but um because it is on the cw still i i'm hoping that sky one will also pick it up and you know it will run alongside the others but we'll have to wait and see that's what five different shows now they might start wondering about their own scheduling and making sure that they're not just being becoming the dc channel yeah well there is a certain amount of that i mean they they have also got a titans show coming as well but Mm. that's not going to be on cw it's going to be on this new dc digital service and we don't know yet whether that DC digital service is going to be US only or whether it's going to be worldwide. If it ends up being worldwide, then, you know, that that's fine because, I mean, it's, it's something else you're going to have to pay for, but at least, you know, you, there's no problem with getting it at the same time as the US, but uh, yeah. we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. Yeah. Other new shows, we've got uh, House of Cards started again this week which is tremendous program yeah just as, as tremendous as ever uh wonderful acting from the two leads it's just brilliant and it does it so well so more of the same just politicians in america being evil to each other it's great so <laughs> so I, I thought it, this is now the fifth series fifth season now isn't it i think so yes yeah, um, and obviously the original one only had three, and one wonders how long this one will go on. Yeah, um, before I, inevitably he gets. Well, I wonder. We wonder if the ending will be the same as the British one. Yes, um, I, I I do wonder at, at that. I suspect it may be, but we'll we'll see where it goes. I get the feeling it maybe have a couple more seasons in it, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Netflix will be any gr- in any great hurry to stop it, I wouldn't have thought, because it is a big tentpole show for them. So Yeah, and it makes money. Yes, and I'm sure it does make money. American Gods as well, which is on its, what, third or fourth episode now? I think the fourth 
fourth or fifth maybe tonight i can't remember uh but i'm that i'm loving it's just monumental uh weird wonderful show um very much in the vein of something like preacher not quite as screwy as as something like legion but uh just Uh, very very few are (laughs) exactly (laughs) um but uh yeah so that's been just endless joyous fun to watch i'm really enjoying that and handmaiden's tale as you mentioned earlier which you said you've not started yet no um to be honest when it first popped onto the radar the title makes it makes it sound like a, a british made costume drama yeah. and of course it is a little bit different to that yeah i mean it, it does have slightly a feel of a costume drama because you know it's set in a kind of alternative modern america mm-hmm. where the birth rate has dropped so these handmaids are are sequestered and forced to work in the houses of rich people and give birth to children for them for the uh, rich wives that have uh, lost the ability to have children so that's the sort of basic premise for it but um uh, and it's it's sort of this religious ish society so it's fascinating particularly with everything that go going on in america at the moment um it's yeah, yeah it's it's something uh, yeah it's, it's a really well done it reminds me very much of something like man in the high castle that sort of weird alternate history thing. yeah and yet with high production values and it's funny because yeah. in my in my little piece of paper in front of me you literally just mentioned it man in the high castle as we jump from one show to the next it says here ask dave when man in the high castle is man in the high castle is uh hang on a second i will do a quick look because while while, while you're doing that I and mean, obviously in in the vein of that sort of thing these kind of programs with their very high production values um and topics and themes that are a bit different to your standard 24 episode stuff it really makes tv watching these days fascinatingly interesting yeah i mean uh it should be back in the winter at some point and unless there's any reason they've moved it but the last it's been november the first year it was december last year so i would think it will be december if it doesn't get pushed to january but it will be towards the end of the year at some point um that should be back for man in the eye castle but uh yeah, like that one yeah it's a great show that but uh, yeah, Handmaid's Tale is, is, I keep on saying Handmaidens, but it's Handmaid's Tale. That's running on Channel 4 at the moment. Well worth watching if you haven't caught it yet. It's a really interesting show. So uh, I, I'm looking forward. I'm two episodes into that. I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. Fargo, I have started watching, but haven't got all the way through the first episode yet because other things got in the way. But I'm enjoying what I'm seeing so far. That's been really good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Ewan McGregor is, is pretty much unrecognizable in one of the two main roles oh, that well, I've, I've seen the i've seen the promo shots and that's probably not much of a spoiler because they're they are out there but the bald character yeah you have to look very closely to recognize uh ewan gregor in there yeah yeah it, it is uh and they do feel like two very very different characters um mm. his accent slightly slips into scottish in places from his uh from, from the uh accent that he's supposed to be playing but um you know i think we can forgive him for that um, the other thing i watched this week was a uh stand-up comedy because there's some great stand-up comedy on netflix and uh Hassan Minaj, who is one of the correspondents on the daily show who's 
got his own Netflix comedy stand-up special called Homecoming <laughs> King. If you're looking for a good stand-up comedy special to watch, go and watch that one. It's really good. Very funny, but very touching in places. It's sort of talking about being an American-born son of an immigrant and sort of dealing with living in a small town in California. It flips very easily from being you know hilariously funny to suddenly smacking you in the face with something quite heartfelt and it it's just very well put together but really good stand-up comedy special uh if you're looking yeah. for for some comedy to go and watch so that's all the stuff i've been doing this week anything else from your side not serial form and obviously i think it's worth worth mentioning in terms of television the uh the One Love Manchester concert that was on last night. I think I read somewhere that it will, it has become or it will become the most watched television event in history because of its broadcast TV channels in 50 countries, as well as over Twitter and various other sources on the internet. They're expecting an audience, expected to have had an audience of over a billion people, which wow. is fairly impressive. Yeah, yeah. Considering it's put together so quickly as well, it's, it's really... Very, very quickly. I mean, I... I I did watch most of it. Um, I had to bite my tongue quite a lot considering the music. Well, most of it was was appalling. Um, <laughs> but of course, that's not the point, is it? No. Uh, definitely not the point. It's not meant for people of my age. Yes, it's going to say um, really showing your age there. <laughs> well, I hadn't heard of most of the people for a start, but it was very impressive when Mr. Gallagher waltzed on towards the end. I did enjoy that that, that part very much. Good, good. I yeah. Uh, um, I actually haven't seen it yet. I will. I, I know it's kicking around on iPlayer, so I'm going to go and have a look later on. Yeah, yeah. I think. Um, I mean, for 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 the purpose it served, it's, it, it is absolutely fantastic, and it's not one where really you can criticise the tween type music. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'll shut up now. And we can move on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, okay. On to some TV and film news. <laughs> We start off TV and film news this week with some renewal and cancellation stuff. Uh, Netflix has cancelled Sensate after two seasons, um, which has has brought a lot of kind of people posting on the site going, "No, why?" Uh, it seems to have been quite popular, or certainly had a dedicated following with mm-hmm. the uh, audience it did had, and it ended on a cliffhanger as well. So it does sound like it's been cancelled and not like naturally come to a conclusion, despite the press release that Netflix announced saying, "Oh, you know, uh, great drama and that sort of stuff." So. My guess is it's just not got the audience or it's become too expensive to film because I imagine it is quite complex to put together that show. Or both, and it's relatively niche, You sort of. I mean, it's not a mainstream show particularly. No. And it, I mean, it was it was very interesting. I mean, yeah. it, it was very interesting and very different, but I'm not overly surprised it's not lasted more than two seasons. It just would have been nice if they'd given them a chance to give it an ending properly, which is a constant bugbear of mine, particularly with American output. Yes. I mean, they may still do that. Uh, you know, if, if there's enough of a backlash to it, they may still allow them, because they did give them a Christmas special. In retrospect, it would have been better to hold that back and give them a decent yeah. ending. But, you know, yeah. what can you do? Uh, Chicago Justice has been cancelled after one season, which by the sounds of it, it wasn't doing as well as the other Chicago series. 
and for various financial reasons they kind of got to the point where they decided that one of them had to go so you know last one in first one out i think seemed to be the uh, the way of doing it before salaries and everything else starts making it more expensive so it's actually that's the opposite reason isn't it i'm thinking, yeah. thinking out loud that that, yeah. You think you would so the most expensive one? Well, they must they must be doing it purely on the numbers. Then. The pro- yeah, but the pro- problem is the most expensive. There's a mixture of things actually. I did write a post uh, last week or the week before about this, where they're actually saying that the resale value of a show has become quite important. So with a lot of these sort of like those sort of network shows where they are procedural things, they become a lot more difficult to sell on to people like Hulu and Netflix. Mm -hmm. So that reduces their value. They were saying something like for the first time ever, they're making more money from selling the shows on than they are from the actual advertising of airing the shows on the US network. That's right. Which brings into play the other comment that you made, which is those of us here, in what are, what are effectively foreign yes. markets, ought to be more careful about watching these shows legitimately because as we watch them illegally, that only contributes now even more so to an early death for the shows that we like. Yeah. So basically the message is if you steal and pirate programs, then you run the risk of losing them. Yes, that that is very true. There are a number of people that have said that in the US networks this year particularly. And I mean, that's been a much more recent shift. Mm. Um but I mean, it was said by the creator of Timeless, where the you know who said that the international market were particularly important in a way of getting them renewed. Mm-hmm. Um, when somebody asked him that question directly, you know, because somebody had said, "Oh, I I went online to find it," and uh, you know, there's, he said they're vital for our renewal. Following revenue has become a bigger, big, bigger and bigger factor in renewal and American TV shows in recent years. So, although your exact audience numbers, you know, it's not like you watching ads to the US audience numbers, but by you watching on a legitimate source in the UK, makes it more likely for a UK network to buy it, and because a UK network is more likely to buy it, it means that it makes more money for the US network that own it so it does make a big difference the other thing that we're seeing is a lot more networks buying shows and owning them rather than buying them from a external source because we've seen that quite a lot actually with the cancellations this year is we've Mm -hmm. seen a lot of shows which are actually doing reasonable numbers in the u.s getting dropped for shows which are doing numbers not quite as well in the u.s but those shows that were saved, things like Elementary, are owned by the network that's airing them. Yes. So it makes quite a big difference. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be, you know, international audiences are going to be much stronger in you need to support the shows that are on legitimate sources because that is going to make a much bigger difference at this point. So it's just worth bearing that in mind when you go and download something. So other things, uh, HBO have renewed Veep for season seven and Silicon Valley for season five. But with Silicon Valley, TJ Miller is leaving the show, apparently by mutual agreement with HBO. They sort of, it seems to have been a storyline thing where they they said it sort of came to a natural conclusion of, of where his character should leave, which is a real shame because TJ Miller's brilliant on that show. 
but um, you know he's got a lot of other stuff going on he's got a lot of voiceover work he appeared in Deadpool last year and we he's, has a bigger role in role in the next Deadpool as well so uh, you know he's not short of things to do but uh, I'm glad both of those are coming back yeah. news also popped up today that uh, puts a, any possible season two of class in a bit more doubt for the BBC Doctor Who spin-off as Patrick Ness has walked away from writing a second season uh, and Patrick Ness unlike a lot of the other shows Patrick wrote the entire thing so that's a big spanner in the works if they do want to bring that back for another season and BBC seem a bit reluctant to bring that back anyway it's, so it's not insurmountable um, no. depending on rights and, and, and things I mean after all Star Trek survived without Gene Roddenberry so it's possible so yeah. um, watch this space, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, they are saying they haven't made a decision either way, as far as we can tell so far. And certainly when we spoke to the cast at Comic-Con last week, they, ha- they, they hadn't had a decision either way. But yeah, the fact that Patrick Ness is, is not going to be involved could be a big problem. And uh, some good news in that Sky Living have picked up how to get away with murder, it seems, uh, from season three, because the first two seasons ran on Universal, but it looks like Sky Living have picked it up from season three. They haven't announced an actual date yet, but it looks like it's coming, which I'm quite happy about because I quite like that show. So i mm-hmm. uh, be glad to see that back. Yeah, and there's a, there's a small show that a few people might have heard about, swords and dragons and stuff, Game of something or other, Game <laughs> of Thrones. <laughs> I jest. Game of Thrones, I heard the eighth and final season of that may end up running into 2019 rather yes. than next year. Yeah. Which, obviously, we're not we're not at season seven yet, so it's not imminently a problem, but it's worth bearing in mind. Because yes. I think, the, I think the, the, the text was they want to ensure that it, it goes out in the best possible way rather than rushing it, etc., etc. Um, yeah. Which is understandable. Yeah, I mean, they they have said that. They've also clarified, you know, the thing that they were saying about uh, five possible spin-offs yeah, or four possible spin-offs. They've also, many. yeah, they they've also clarified that in that they're saying that at the moment they are only planning on making one of those, which I think we did say in the original article. Um, mm-hmm. That they they are actually, you know, that they're, they're they're working on five possible spin-offs, but the chances are only one of those will actually get made. Um, yeah. They're just trying to cover as many bases as they can to find the best story possible. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see where that ends up. Yeah, and and, and rumours that William Ka- William Shatner has been cast in the prequel in the prequel as the Mad King are, are apparently unfounded. <laughs> <laughs> Although that would be awesome. Um, moving on to uh, other news, there is a uh, some movement on the Uncharted movie. Which uh, you aware of the Uncharted video game? Yes, Uncharted has been a huge video game franchise for uh, PlayStation 4 uh, made by Naughty Dog it's a superb video game franchise they've been trying to make a movie about it for about 10 years and they now seem to have settled on a new star being Tom Holland uh, him, him of of the new Spider-Man fame, which and definitely not as I keep doing, not to be confused with Tom Hollander, uh, the yes. British actor. Who's, <laughs> that would be very a different. Different age group altogether. Very different kind of actor. Um, yes. And yeah, I keep making that mistake. When when Spider-Man was first cast, I thought you got to be kidding me <laughs> yes yes no tom holland and tom holland are very different looking people yeah. um now the one thing with tom holland is he's he's very young looking 
for playing Nathan Drake. But the reason for that is they're looking to take a slightly different take on it. Rather than having the kind of fully formed Nathan Drake, this is going to be a young Nathan Drake based on there's a segment in uncharted 3 drake's deception and there is a section of the game where the player takes control of a younger version of nathan drake and it's when he's 14 years old and first meets sully uh who is the guy that kind of goes on to be his partner in crime basically um it's going to be based around the meeting of those two people with a with a young nathan drake and a sort of younger version of sully that's the idea i mean there's been so many people attached to this at various points david guggenheim uh, eric warren singer david M. russell have all taken passes it the current person attached to the direct is sean levy who is the guy behind uh, night at the museum and stranger things so they're looking to him to uh, bring on new writer and uh, sean levy to direct it yeah it'll be interesting to see whether they can actually pull that off because it has been in development hell for an awful long time that film rather like uh, assassin's creed and i think as exciting as these always sound um i remember being fascinated at the fact that doom was getting made into a film <laughs> yeah have we ever seen any films any great films that have been made from computer games because they they tend to fall rather flat yeah they do it's incredibly rare that uh, i'm trying to think off the top of my head i can't exactly think of one um no. so i i don't know but yeah you never know one of them's got to break the mold <laughs> absolutely. absolutely we thought absolutely. it'd be world of warcraft but i heard that fell flat as well so you know mm. So next up, sticking with the Spider-Man connection, they've announced a uh, the casting for Venom, which is a, a an upcoming Spider-Man sort of spin-off movie, and it's going to be Mr. Tom Hardy. So Bane plays Venom. Yes, Bane will be playing Venom. Venom, for those of you that don't know your Marvel history, first appeared in 1998. It was basically appeared as a black suit that took over Spider-Man and uh, it then becomes apparent that this new sort of snazzy black and white costume that they had him wearing is actually a sentient alien symbiote. And um, he eventually manages to kind of rid himself of it. But the suit then falls onto a guy called Eddie Brock, who then becomes Venom and sort of embraces the nastier side of, of the symbiote. Uh, and it's it's sort of this this horrific kind of you know large jawed version of a of kind of a Spider Man really. It's going to be interesting with this because they've got a very big star to land the lead. It's it's what they're calling their Venom verse, which is going to be a bunch of movies which are tangentially related to Spider Man, but probably won't have Spider Man in them. Um, or if they do, they'll be in a kind of minor role. It's it's really. Mm sort of looking at, at, at characters around the Spider-Man universe that they have the rights for. Like Superman in Supergirl. Kind of, yeah. It's it's going to be, they're going to be creating this Venom movie, which isn't a co-production with Marvel, so it's not directly connected into the greater Marvel universe at the moment. I, I'm not entirely sure how this is going to sit, really. But, uh, you know, Tom Hardy is, is never a bad person to cast in something, so... Nope. 
So we'll no. say uh, the film's been directed by Ruben Fleischner, who uh, directed Zombieland and Gangster Squad. It's been written by Jeff Pinker, who wrote The Amazing Spider-Man 2. He was also a writer on Fringe and Zoo, that wonderful, silly TV show. And uh, Scott Rosenberg, who also wrote on Zoo and wrote Con Air and High Fidelity as well. So, yeah, interesting mix of people. Yeah, I'm going back a bit. What am I? Correct or wrong in saying there was a version of Venom in yes. the, one of the original Star uh, Star Wars, what's he called, Spider Man uh, trilogy? Yes, there was. There was it's not not quite the version that's been described here. No, but the I same mean, the same idea, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is very similar. I mean, it was Eddie Brock who is the same person, and that was in Spider Man Three, the original in the original Spider Man trilogy. There was a version of Venom in that, but this is going to be Venom as a sort of much more central role rather than a yep. random bad guy, which he sort yep. of was in that film. Sticking with comic book movies and comic book TV shows, they've got a new TV series based on a comic book and a movie, I guess. They're bringing Sin City, which has been made into two films already, but based on uh, Frank Miller's graphic novel, they're making that into a TV series. Mm. Um, Hopefully in colour. Well, yes. See, this is the interesting thing because obviously the films made it into a very unique kind of art style, which yeah. worked very well for the first movie, but fell flat on its face when they did it for the second one. So, it, yeah, indeed. And it, uh, for the longevity of a TV series rather than the one offness of a film, I think they perhaps need to tone down the art house style and make it a little more mainstream. Yeah. I, I suspect they may do something interesting with the art style for it, but I don't think it's going to be full black and white, I wouldn't have thought, because I, I think that that would struggle yes. a bit. I mean, you know, and to be fair, there's precedent for this because Walking Dead is in colour and the entire comic book is in black and white, so there's no real yeah. need to do it that way. Uh, but I think you could make something interesting with the art style maybe, but it just doesn't need to be entirely uh, entirely black and white. Yeah, do, do the credits in black and white or something. Something. Yeah, maybe. Or you know, you could mute the colours in some way. But uh, uh, it's well, been... the, the color, the color palette of Walking Dead, just as you give that an ex- as an example, is not. No, that's very it's, true. It is. It is also a little. I can't really describe it. How would you? You would say it's a bit washed out. Yeah, it's it's sort of washed out and muted. Yeah, it certainly yeah. is. This version has been written by Glenn Mazzara, who previous writing credits include The Walking Dead. Uh, he also work, no. wrote on The Shield, on Hawthorne, which I think was a Sky One thing, and uh, the Damien TV series based on the Omen movie. Mm. It's been directed by Lem Wiseman, or the pilot is, who's uh, worked on Underworld, worked on the uh, 2012 version of Total Recall. He worked on Lucifer and Sleepy Hollow. So... Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's got some some interesting people behind it that know well, their kind of comic book stuff and a lot of dark content in the yeah. CVs and the people involved. I mean, you, you, the, the devil, the devil's son, Sleepy Hollow. The, there's a lot yeah. of if if that's utilised properly, this this has the has the potential to be uh, particularly wonderful. I think this could work quite well. The idea will be it won't tread over exactly the same ground as the films which i think makes sense so it's not clear whether marv will actually be the central character which he was in the uh, movies whether they're just going to use sin city or basin city which is 
you know, where it's set, whether they're going to use that as a sort of backdrop and that will sort of be the central character of it. And because you can almost do this as a kind of anthology series with characters dropping in and out, focusing on bits of different areas of the city, which is sort of what the comic book does, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, which they're sort of saying, you know, that it will stick closer to the t- source material, but will introduce original characters and timelines, which is an interesting sort of way that they put it, which does make me think that they're maybe looking at doing it in the way the the feel and the way the comic book works, but with new characters. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what, what they do with that. Definitely. Um, this is an intriguing one. Also, being a uh, book-to-TV series thing and had a failed movie behind it, <laughs> um, ITV and uh, production company 11th Hour, 11th Hour Films, are looking to make a TV series out of the Alex Ryder novels, which are the hugely popular Anthony Horowitz teenage spy novels. The books are basically follows the story of a teenage Alex who is blackmailed into joining the FBI after his secret agent uncle, who is also his adopted parent, is killed in the car crash. Happens um, all the time. Yeah, completely believable. <laughs> so the, this is the... He, he's basically a mix of of a sort of James Bond Jr. and a teenage Batman, kind of. Uh, he's, you know, facing the world with cool gadgets and, uh, and, you know, with a housekeeper that's sort of, you know, actually in this case is American, but, you know, so it's sort of a twist on the whole Batman aesthetic. But uh, I actually think this is quite a good thing to make a TV show out of because you can you can do it quite well making it as a weekly TV show. There's mm-hmm. 10 books to work from. They're actually talking about starting with the second book rather because the first book, the second book was called Point Blank. The first book was Stormbreaker, which was made into a movie in 1996. So I think they're trying to avoid doing anything with the first book. So I, my guess is they'll take elements out of that to sort of set the story up. But uh, they're, they're basically using the second book as the as the starting point. And there, there are 10 books in the series so far as well. So there's the latest one's just been released. So Anthony Horowitz is still writing it. The TV show is coming from the BAFTA winning writer Guy Burt, who wrote on the Borgias and Blackley Circle and Tutankhamun. He's going to be doing it. ITV are planning it as a long-running, old-skewed family drama, which, I mean, to me, this sounds like their attempt to steal the Doctor Who audience on a Saturday night again. That's interesting because like Doctor Who, this will I think the success or failure of this will be determined by its ability or otherwise to understand its audience. Yeah. Uh, and I think Doctor Who's audience is 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 a large swathe of childhood, but one that recognizes that parents will be watching with them. Yeah. And the risk, I suppose, which is unavoidable given the subject, the source material, the risk is it, this Alex Ryder one ends up being a lot more interesting to one gender and not perhaps so much to the other, which Doctor Who obviously doesn't have that, that problem. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. They've tried this numerous occasions to try and land something which could go up against Doctor Who. I mean, it, this is my supposition that that's what they're aiming for. But yeah. But it, it feels... It just feels like it because they they've tried this numerous times. Primeval, primeval. Was, yeah, I was going to say the thing with the dinosaurs. Primeval. Yeah, prim, primeval was was the last time they got sort of close to it. There, mm. there was then a, a thing with vampire-y kind of things. I seem to remember they did. 
which lasted one season and didn't go down particularly well. So, I mean, they've tried a few times to to land this. And uh, I don't know, I I think this is a fairly good starting point because it's an established brand. So it's got a built-in audience. I think this could potentially work yeah definitely we'll we'll see i i think it's it's a good shot for them but we'll see we'll see where what happens with it no news on when that's likely to turn up and uh, how far into development it is but uh but yeah we'll keep you updated as we hear more and uh last news story we have this week steven spielberg is bringing back the animaniacs by the sounds of it <laughs> again <laughs> The sound of 50% of our uh, listeners going, what's the Animaniacs? <laughs> yes. Um, so Animaniacs cartoon series originally ran in 1993 to 1997. It was a sort of animated variety show. It has this huge cast of characters, but they're all linked together by the Warner siblings who were three sort of bizarre little creatures that live called Yakko, Wacko and Dot. And uh, they lived in the water tower at Warner Brothers Studios, uh, was the premise. And the idea was that each week they managed to escape the water tower, cause havoc, introduce some kind of cartoons and, and other characters, and uh, then got shoved back in the water tower at the end of the at the end of the show. So it was brilliantly put together. There were other characters, uh, including Good Feathers which were a trio of pigeons based on the characters from the Goodfellas film. There was Slappy Squirrel, who was a grumpy cartoon veteran who lived with her annoyingly upbeat nephew called Skippy. And uh, Pinky in the Brain, which was so successful that it got its own spin-off series. Uh, it was about sort of one genius mouse and uh, an idiot sidekick who uh, each week tried and failed to take over the world. It was such a good show, though. It was, and it was one of the few ever, really, that appealed to pretty much every demo demographic there is i mean clearly a, a kids show but um laugh out loud moments for grown-ups and also uh, whilst it probably doesn't appeal or didn't appeal to teenagers that much it was a staple of your drunken students as yeah. well um it, it, it had a very very cross-section appeal i'm over the moon to see it come back i am too i mean just a brilliant brilliant thing and the clever thing about it was was that thing where you know it, it often parodies things which would go straight over a younger child's yeah. head. You know, yeah. Um, Gilbert and Sullivan op- operas they parodied and, uh, you know, shows like Friends and Seinfeld, which because everybody knows now, but were, were relatively new things and, you know, were, were sort of growing pop culture things. So they skewered a lot of pop culture stuff as well as these historical kind of references, which just younger kids wouldn't get. And some of the humour in it, I mean, if you go back and watch it, skirted very very close to the line but they sort of got away with it so so if they can capture that again i will be very very happy definitely and it's in 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 relatively safe hands with mr spielberg as well yeah i mean spielberg producing the original series created by uh, tom ruger who won and the show won like eight daytime emmys it won a peabody award during its original run the the three warner sibling characters were apparently based on uh, tom's children the personalities of his children which i thought is fascinating <laughs> but uh, yeah I'd all, start- of whom, all of whom are now yeah adults. <laughs> yeah all of you will now be adults so i yeah, yeah it's it's uh it's so looking forward to that bringing back it's still in early, early development at the moment but the reaction to the news has been very very positive so i look yeah. forward to uh to seeing that back definitely with all the news out of the way let's move on to the interview for this week 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This week's interview is with writer and producer Joe Malozzi. Joe, you may know from his work on the various Stargate series, but uh, one of the main things he's here to talk to us about is Dark Matter, which is back for its third season on uh, Monday the 12th of June at 8pm on Sci-Fi UK. If you've not seen Dark Matter, it's a great sci-fi show about a crew of people who wake up aboard a spaceship with no memory of who they are or how they got there uh we're now in its third season so obviously the stories have advanced quite a lot on from that it's a fantastic sci-fi series well worth watching if you've not caught it yet you can find the first two seasons on amazon if you want to go and catch up with it so we got joe on to chat a bit about the uh show opening where we left the characters which was in a quite precarious situation at the end of the last season so talk a bit about that a bit about um, stargate and uh, how he got into writing and, and that sort of thing so here's the interview with joe we'll see you afterwards with some uh, upcoming shows for next week on tv hello hey joe how are you doing excellent excellent one week uh, actually less than a week to go before the premiere and one week away from uh, convening the writer's room for season four Oh, wow. A lot of stuff going on then. There is constantly. It's like getting on the merry-go-round and it never ending. <laughs> Thank you for, for spending a bit of time to uh, come on and, and uh, talk a bit about the show anyway. Oh, my pleasure. We've got the new season coming. Uh, it starts next Monday, I think, over here. Right. And I think we're airing with a with a double bill as well, which they're doing in the US as well, aren't they? What can you tell me about the upcoming season? Because we kind of left the crew in a bit of a precarious situation when we finished we did we did last season we we left our characters off well most of them were either dead or presumed dead <laughs> uh, with the destruction of the os7 space station and we will pick things up pretty much right where we left off and we find out essentially what happened to our characters you know uh, i think the last we left two three and six were scrambling to make their way back to the uh, marauder Three got there early and um, was greeted by uh, his old nemesis, uh, Commander Neiman and friends. And he was wavering in and out of consciousness. And when he looked up, he glimpsed someone who looked a lot like uh, the actor Jeff Teravainen, who plays uh, Lieutenant Anders, last seen in episode 202, the episode titled uh, Kill Them All, where he was taken, I think, two or three shots to the chest. You would think that would put a man down. So I don't know if you know, we saw his ghost or it was just a vision, but we will find out in, uh, in, in, the, in the premiere. And then we're just going to find out what happened with Nyx, what happened with Five, who was fleeing with uh, Commander Truffaut, and uh, what's left for the android who last we saw was all alone, all by her lonesome on the ship. <laughs> yeah 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 and we've got Fora as well of course who was was uh if i remember correctly last seen stealing the blink drive as well four four i believe you mean rio ishida yeah. why yes <laughs> uh last we left um he had boarded uh along with his uh right hand woman 
Hanshirakan, yes. Misaki, and uh, instructed her to uh, use non-lethal force. And she did apparently the opposite, uh, poisoning Nyx and leaving her for dead on the bridge. But uh, as far as he knows, they took back the blink drive. It was a success. He, he warned the android to get everyone off the, the space station, presumably with ample time for them to do so, <laughs> and blew up the space station and uh, hopefully triggering, in his mind, hopefully triggering a corporate war that would in turn help him win his war against Pierre. Yeah, so there's a, a lot going on in, in that show. And it's much like something like Walking Dead or Game of Thrones. It's a show where nobody's really that safe. True, true. <laughs> in fact, actually, last season, season two was particularly dark. I mean, you know, I, I, went, I went through it with my writing partner a couple of months ago where we kill one off in the premiere and then we bring in a handsome doctor to replace him and he dies in seven and we introduce Nix's brother and he dies. And, uh, and then there was a bloodbath at the palace where Rio executes his coup and, and kills a bunch of people, including his stepbrother, Inspector Kirkin of the uh, Galactic Authority played by Chris Holden Reed in pursuit of the crew of the Raza. He apparently perishes in the destruction of EO7. And then at the end of the season finale, we actually don't know who survives. And uh, hopefully all those answers will, uh, questions will be answered in uh, our premiere. Cool. So are you toning the, uh, the blood sport down for the, <laughs> for the new season? Uh, or I would say, uh, no, I would say what distinguishes this, I, I you know, I, I've often said I approach each season as though it were an installment in a book series. So book one was season one, which was all about the shipboard mystery and the and uh, the discovery of their past and the eventual revelation that someone wiped their memories, who wiped their memories and the mole in their midst. Season two was all about the burgeoning corporate war and their attempt to really go out and uh, take the fight out to the people who are coming after them, the former enemies. They go out, they find out about the blink drive. And also this drive led by Six toward redemption that culminates in spectacularly terrible fashion in the finale where, you know, they go out to try to make a difference to save the galaxy, as it were, and presumably they fail. And so that takes us into season three and amidst this backdrop of corporate war, this fight for redemption. We have on the one hand Six who has always very much been the proponent of doing the right thing versus now two who has to take a step back and think what's best for the crew and maybe being the good guys may not necessarily be the right thing to do. In fact, actually, that's the title of, of our, uh, our first episode, which is that being, being good is so much harder. <laughs> I think that's the, that's the title. Correct me if I'm wrong. So, and, and then amidst all that is the fact that we finally have the big bad who happens to be our former ally for now Ryu Ishida, emperor of, uh, of Zyron, who has triggered a corporate war, massacred hundreds of people on a space station, presumably killed Nix. We don't know. Stolen mm. the blink drive. So things are going to get rather dark in that respect with regard to our crew and their former friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be interesting. You've got some new cast members joining this season as well, haven't you? Yes, yes. Uh, I'll mention three. Uh, one is played by uh, an actor, Andrew Moody, the character of Teku Fonse, and we're introduced to him in the premiere. Once Rio has returned, he's retaken the throne 
one of the first things he's going to do is reward those who are loyal to him. And one of the individuals who are, who is loyal to him was his former tutor, Teko, who had been languishing in the palace dungeon since his stepmother assumed control of the throne. And so one of the first things he's going to do is go down and free Teku. And Teku is a very principled man, sort of a philosopher. And his, I guess, his way of looking at rule is going to clash with Masaki. So right off the bat, you're going to have a, uh, you know, a definite conflict between two of Rio's most trusted advisors. And that will play out over the course of, uh, of the season in the palace for as long as that lasts. Uh, on board the ship, we'll be introducing uh, two other, um, I guess, guests. I want to call them crew members. They're certainly going to be joining the crew for, for a little while. Uh, one is uh, the character of Adrian Marrow, played by Mishka Thibault. And uh, he is the assistant to Tabor Kalchek, who was played by David Hewlett in the, in the show's first two seasons, yeah. who is their handler, their agent of sorts. Now, um, Adrian is his assistant who, as soon as the war starts, we're going to learn Tabor sort of cashes in his chips and goes to ground, leaving Adrian essentially running the business. And Adrian is a Tabor wannabe, but is in way over his head. He's a bit of a nerd. He's a pipsqueak. And he is assisted by his uh, bodyguard, a woman by the name of Solara Shockley, who uh, uh, is play, played by Aisha Issa, who's a purple belt in uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, appropriately enough, <laughs> and uh, could choke you out. In fact, she demonstrated on me uh, up in the offices, and uh, she, is, uh, she is something. And uh, she is Adrian's bodyguard, and very capable, no-nonsense, and instantly takes a disliking to three, and the feeling is mutual. So a little of that plays out over the course of uh, season three as well. So those two will be joining us again amidst, amidst this backdrop of corporate war. And over in Zyron, Teku is there to, uh, I guess, shake things up in the palace as if, you know, things weren't already fairly shaken there. Wow. Yeah. So lots going on there. You've actually said there's no new crew regulars out of that, although you will be having some people join uh, as you mentioned yes. there. So, so, but, but no, no new permanent crew members so far. So far. <laughs> Who knows what holds. <laughs> So you co-created uh, this. Did it start off as a comic book, this, and then the the series, and then move into being a TV show? In in fact, no. I was working on the pilot script as far back as Stargate Atlantis. Right. And uh, my mind was, once Stargate ends, then I can take Dark Matter out. And Alaska kept on getting picked up and picked up, and then we rolled into Stargate Universe. And I got to thinking, and I got my start in development, and I, I know that... Selling an original idea is next to impossible unless you're J.J. Abrams or really have a, a connection. Yeah. Uh, whereas established properties, books, comic books are very popular. So I approached Dark Horse Comics about turning the script or the idea into a comic book. Uh, and so we agreed and we launched. It was a four issue arc and we collected it into a trade paperback. And we and Jay Firestone, who's the president of Prodigy Pictures, took that trade paperback out the graphic novel and use that as a visual aid to sell the series 
So the plans work perfectly. And, you know, the show is on the air right now. We're, uh, we're airing season three and hopefully we'll be rolling into season four. Not too, not too long from now. Do you have an end date set in, in mind or maybe not a date, but do you know where you want the show to end up? Yes, absolutely. One of the nice things about constantly being delayed, like I said, back in, on Starry Atlantis, I had the idea for the show but because Stargate kept funding picked up and, and the delays, it allowed me to really focus on the story and the characters. So uh, one of the things you may notice about the show is we will drop little breadcrumbs, little little hints along the way that will pay off later on down the road. For instance, back in, in episode three of season one, there's an instant where the android is about to go out and do a spacewalk, an EVA, and two says to her, you have to come back. We can't do this without you. And the android says, well, you can. And the way she says it, I remember being on the boards and they, and some of the fans were like, wasn't it strange the way she said you can? What is, <laughs> it, is she implying something? And other people were like, no, 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 that was just a delivery. And of course we find out six episodes later in episode nine that she was referring to the fact that two is a, yeah. a you know, a, a, yeah. Uh, uh, what do we call it? Yes. Yes. If you will. Yeah. You know, we, we do a lot of that because we know where we're going and I have a five-year plan. Right. So season one, I explained season one, season two, season three is going to be the corporate war, the big bad. I already know what uh, we're heading into the writer's room for, for, to plan season four. Hopefully we'll get season four. And I already know how we're going to begin the season. I already know what we, how we're going to end the season. I already know what the, the major arcs are, character and story for season four, which will in turn set the stage for season five, which in my mind will be the final chapter in our story. And again, I already have the season five, the beginning and end, and the season finale. I even actually have the final sequence and final scene of the series in mind. So I promise fans that we have answers to all the, all the questions, all the big questions, all the burning questions will be answered within that five-year plan. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I quite like, you're seeing this more and more with TV shows where they are actually planning arcs and, and you know, saying, okay, I've got five seasons prepared. It's yeah. kind of nice that way because you know that there is there is a definite, or potentially yes. there is a definite endpoint. I mean, I'm sure if Sci-Fi wanted you to go on, you could do something with that. But I, I like the fact that there is a stopping point with it. Yes, definitely. Hopefully, now really, it's just a matter of getting there. Yeah. Like I said, we, you know, hopefully we, we do very well internationally. We do well, really well in Canada on Netflix. You know, we're uh, one of the higher rated shows on, on Sci-Fi. So uh, hopefully we will be back for the fourth and the fifth season and we'll get to finish our story. Yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. So, I mean, as you mentioned there, you, you're you're based up in Canada. Canada seems to draw quite a lot of these sci-fi genre shows, uh, the, particularly around Vancouver. Why do you think that is? Two things I think that is. One is uh, the fact that uh, the Canadian dollar is weaker against the U.S. dollar. So, you know, naturally, it just makes sense, especially for bigger productions like sci-fi. Yeah. Uh, Secondly, actually, I should say three things. Secondly is the fact that we have some of the best visual effects houses anywhere here in Vancouver. In fact, Dark Matter shoots in Toronto, but we make use of a lot of the uh, Vancouver visual effects houses. Yeah. So that has a lot to do with it. And then the third thing is, quite frankly, I think the crews here are amazing mm. uh you know very talented people 
both here in uh, in Vancouver and in Toronto where Dark Matter is shot. There's tons of production going on there. I know Star Trek is in Toronto. Uh, The Handmaid's Tale is in Toronto. Um, You know, here, uh, Dirk Gently shooting in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. Uh, My friend Robert Cooper actually is the exec producer on the show. You know, they're doing the Richard Morgan series here. So, I mean, it's it's great. It's very busy. And if you're a fan of genre television, this is the place to be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And of course, all the superhero shows are up there as well, or an awful lot of them anyway. Exactly. Yes, that's right. Arrow and Flash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'd really love to come over there and have a look around some point. Yeah, Vancouver is a nice laid-back town. Kind of expensive, yeah. but uh, but nice, very nice. Going on to you a little bit. How did you get into writing, and why was it particularly sci-fi that you seemed to head towards? As a kid, I mean, I grew up watching classic Star Trek, which is still, I'm sorry, Jean Luc, but still my favorite Star Trek, and watching sci-fi movies. Planet of the Apes, one of my favorites, classics. Tim Burton's version, one of my most despised uh, reboots ever. And my mother, you know, uh, sort of wanted to engender this kind of love of, of, of reading as well. So I grew up reading a lot of uh, Asimov, a lot of Arthur C. Clarke, a lot of Allison. So basically my mind was always very much into the sci-fi. And as a, as you know, a kid growing up, I, I wrote a lot of sci-fi, bad sci-fi, genre stuff, you know, horror as well. And then, you know, growing up, I always used to tell my mother, I want to be a writer. And my mother would say, well, writing isn't really a, a profession. I mean, you can be a lawyer and maybe you can write on the side or be a doctor. And and then, you know, eventually yeah, I, I took a creative writing class with Paul Molly, who eventually would become my writing partner. And he said, you know, I was working on a novel and he said, well, why don't you turn it into a screenplay? And so I learned how to the screenplay format, and I transformed this novel, this terrible novel, into an equally terrible uh, screenplay. But it, at least it, it, I learned the format, and uh, and we co-wrote a feature together that never got anywhere. And eventually, I, I got my foot in the door writing for animation. And it's one thing that I always, when when writers ask me how how to get into the business, and there's the obvious way you you really should write a, a spec pilot, you should write a a spec of an existing show. But if you want to get your foot in the door and make money doing it and hone your craft, try animation because they were quite a lot more receptive to new writers. And that's how I got my start. I wrote for animation. I ended up uh, story editing a show for CBS and CBS Saturday morning lineup. Did shows like I developed a show called I, I went into development. I developed a show called Caillou, uh, Paddington Bear, uh, Animal Crackers, Little Lulu, Mona the Vampire. Um, and then eventually... Uh, my partner and I transitioned to teen sitcoms and we did a show called Student Bodies for 65 episodes. And then from there, we did a bit of one hour action adventure and then moved our way on up to Stargate. And the nice thing about Stargate was Brad Wright and Robert Cooper, who were the showrunners, were very good about promoting from within. So they invited Paul and I to learn from them. We went into the editing room. We learned how to edit. We learned how to oversee meetings, concept meetings. We learned production. And eventually we learned, we worked our way up from co-producers to showrunners. And now we have our own show. <laughs> in a nutshell, in a very large nutshell, I think it's one of those Filbert uh, nuts. 
Uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's the story. You mentioned Stargate there, of course, uh, which is the other show you're you're very well known for. Stargate Universe tragically cut short towards the end there. Sure. I adored basically every iteration of it, but Universe particularly I, I really liked because it was a very different kind of direction to the others. Would you like to see Stargate come back in some way? I would love to see Stargate come back and I would love to be involved in any sort of a uh, new series. In fact, actually, I would love to get back together with Brad Wright, Robert Cooper, Carl Binder, Paul, my writing partner. Martin Garrow is busy on blind spots, so I don't think he'd be available, but who knows? I would love to get the band back together again. I had a, you know, I spent 12 years on the franchise, had a great time, you know, and if MGM wanted to do another series, I would hope that they would contact us about doing it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's one of those things that I think is is ripe for, for re-emergency. It's been off air for a while now, so I think, you know. It has been a while. They're starting remaking everything else, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. Out of all the stuff you've done, is there one particular incident that comes to mind as being particularly special? Yeah, the things that stand out in my mind, for instance, are when Paul and I were invited to pitch for, for Stargate, we were told that they had tried other writers that had not worked out and they were looking for, for staff. And um, I learned after the fact that that Brad and Robert were actually quite tired because they take a lot, as showrunners, you take a lot on yourself. And especially if you're having trouble finding writers, and it's not that they were, you know, the writers were, were bad, but it's essentially it's a show that's so steeped in mythology that some, you just get it or you don't. And so they liked our outline and we went to script. And I remember Rob telling me the story that they were going, it was the end of, I think, season three, and they were heading to Hawaii for their annual golf trip. And they had one copy of our script and Rob handed it to Brad and Brad was like, I can't read it because if it's a bad script, it's going to ruin my ho- uh, holiday. <laughs> and I know we're going to have to go back to the drawing board. It's going to, and and uh, so Rob said, OK, I'll read it. And Rob read it and he just handed it to Brad and said, you can relax. You'll have a good vacation. <laughs> and so basically that's kind of a nice story to know that that's kind of, we nailed it coming out of the gate. So that one, you know, for instance, that one stands out for me. The goodbyes always stand out. The, the, the you know, the, the, the yeah. final days on SG1, the final days on Atlantis, the final days on Stargate Universe. You know, it, it, over 12 years, the cast and crew become like family to you. And I would spend more time with them than I would with my wife at the time so it's hard to say goodbye and it's the same thing with with dark matter now every year it, it reminds me a lot of, of, of stargate because um it's it's a fun work environment it's something that brad and robert really instilled in us and this idea that life's too short people want to come into work they want to enjoy themselves you don't you, don't, you know you're making television you know don't make it difficult for people don't yeah. don't be an app if you will and so i'm i'm i i really love the fact that when when guest stars come to our show they say wow we really love the atmosphere on set everybody's so supportive everyone's so happy and and i i love that and so it was that's very much something we learned on stargate and something that we've continued in on uh, on dark matter and that's not always the case in fact i think that's atypical of a lot of productions yeah um, which is sad but uh there you go yeah so two last questions that we we always ask people when they come on the show first of all what tv shows are you watching at the moment Uh, at the moment i am watching the handmaid's tale it's funny because when i'm in production i don't have time to really watch anything and so basically i've uh i lined up preacher i wish i watched first 10 episodes i've I've got fargo season two lined up but the handmaid's tale is one that i decided you know i'll watch the first episode see how it is and after the first episode i ended up 
ordering the entire season on uh, on iTunes. And it's beautifully shot, beautifully acted, beautifully edited. Shout out to Wendy Hallam Martin, former Dark Matter editor, who's <laughs> editing on uh, on The Handmaid's Tale. Brilliant. And it just it's it's a terrific show. It's uh, highly recommended if you haven't watched it yet. Other yes. than that, I'm just reading a lot. It's, I tend to read. <laughs> yeah, if, I agree with you on The Handmaid's Tale. Just seen two episodes of it. It's very good. And if you like Preacher, American Gods, I would recommend as well. I enjoyed Preacher up until the end of episode 10 when something happened and then I was like, ah, I mean, it's a great show. I don't want to give it away, but I I, I still have the three episodes, I think, to watch to the end of the season. But the circumstance at the end of episode 10 made me take a break, shall we say. Okay. (laughs) And the last question is, if you had the opportunity to work on any show, past, present or future, and obviously not what you've worked on, which show would it be? Past, present and or future. Obviously, future would be a, a future uh, iteration of Stargate. Yeah. Uh, whenever it comes past. You know what? One sci-fi show that I loved, I think an underappreciated gem, was Farscape. Uh, <laughs> I was a big Farscape fan, and I was uh, instrumental. I really pushed Ben Browder and Claudia Black for Stargate, when, when and, and they were terrific in the roles. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, um, Farscape would have been a blast to work on. I think it would, it was a, uh, certainly a crazy show. And then off the top of my head, uh, I don't know the, uh, my favorite show of all time is probably the Sopranos being Italian as well. I think I could have lent a, uh, great voice to that show. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, there you go. A, uh, Farscape, yeah. the Sopranos and whatever future incarnation of Stargate MGM is planning next. <laughs> awesome. Very good picks. <laughs> Right, uh, I shall let you get back to your uh, your day. I know it's early morning over there, so... Uh, thank you, thank you. But uh, thank you for, for coming on and spending a little bit of time. It's uh, been a real pleasure. Thanks for having me, David. No problem. Thanks, Joe. Cheers. Bye. Bye. So that was the interview with Joe Malozzi. I hope you really enjoyed that. As we said, it's back with a double bill from 8pm on Monday, the 12th of June. So that's next Monday on Sci-Fi UK. It's got a follow-up show, which is joining it, called After Dark, which uh, is one of those kind of companion shows that does background and talks to the cast and all that sort of thing. So that will be following straight after it, I think, at 10pm. The regular slot for the show will be uh, at 9pm, but uh, it's opening with this double bill, so it starts at 8 this week. So uh, that's Dark Matter, Season 3, coming to Sci-Fi UK. Here's some other highlights to look forward to next week. Highlights for next week. We've got... Um, <laughs> this is highlights, isn't it? Right. Okay, oh, oh, yes. Yeah. 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 Given, no, given, what, given what you're about to say next, I, I'm just wondering if, if the word highlight is, is, is the right word. <laughs> I, I left this in. I did, because I do edit the highlights sometimes. I, I left this in because I know how much you love this show. I do. I love it so much. It's, it's, it's... Real Housewives of Beverly Hills Season oh, yeah, 7 okay. comes to... I'm comes to lifetime on the 6th of june at 9 p.m and i'm sure you will be glued to your tv mm. watching this yeah nail bitingly excited about that <laughs> so uh yes uh 6th of june for that uh at 9 p.m shadow hunters is back for the second half of its uh season that's on uh, netflix at 6th of june usually there from about 8 p.m in the mornings 8 a.m sorry so uh that if you found a shadow hunters go back to that Mock the Week starts its 16th season. 
that will be returning on BBC Two on the 8th of June at 10pm. It'll be interesting really to see what they're going to do with Mock the Week because obviously they mock funny news stories in the last few weeks. Yeah. The news has not been particularly fun worthy so um, it, it must be very hard work for panel comedians to deal with those kind of things without You've... completely ignoring the fact that they've happened. Yes. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that but uh, you have also got the election of course to deal with and you've also got Donald Trump so you know well, very t- true. <laughs> there are stuff stuff to cover Orange is the New Black fifth season of that comes on the 9th of June to Netflix this has been a great show they've slightly changed the format for this season in that it actually occurs over three days for this new season so it, it's uh, sort of the aftermath of the events of season four which uh, saw the a sort of riot break out essentially at the end of the show so yeah I'm looking forward to that coming back I really like that show I, I think it, it wobbled a bit on its third season but season four really pulled it back I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the fifth season of that eighth and final season of Royal Pains comes to the Universal Channel at 5pm uh, on the 10th of June so if you're a fan of that you'll probably want to see those Poldark is back for its third season uh, back early this year it's on the 11th of June at 9pm on BBC One it's one of these shows that everybody's going to go oh it's fantastic and I have never seen a single episode of it but uh, yeah it's uh, it's Aidan Turner back probably with his shirt off quite a lot I imagine uh, <laughs> that's what I imagine that show is with sweeping Cornish coastlines but uh, yeah. yes so I, uh, I've, I've seen bits of it and I, I can see the appeal and I think it's very well put together but it, it just isn't really my yeah. cup of tea no I'm just, kind of with you there Fair enough. What is my cup of tea is Orphan Black, which is back for its <laughs> fifth and final season. That's coming to uh, Netflix on the, from the 11th of June. So uh, I, I've loved the show. I was quite late getting to it, but then kind of binged watched my way through the first three seasons of it. Really enjoyed the show. I'm, I'm sort of sad to see it go, but um, me and Tatiana Mislaney can actually have a rest because playing like five central characters on your own TV show is... is got to be hard work i imagine so Ex- uh, yes extremely difficult it's gonna be very weird when she pops up in something else and like what there's only one of you this doesn't make sense <laughs> um yeah. so there's there's a a new show which i will let you pronounce <laughs> on this uh there's a that the cop out it's <laughs> it's the loch yes it's the loch it's it's uh set on the shores of Loch Ness I probably no no monster in the animal sense but um, plenty abound in the human sense it's a murder mystery yes um, so the, so that's the Loch that comes to ITV on the 11th June at 9pm and Dark Matter as as we spoke about earlier with in the interview Dark Matter season 3 comes to Sci-Fi UK on the 12th of June at 8pm have you actually seen this show? no I started watching it for some reason I didn't follow up on it i cannot remember why because it's on its third season now i don't know i really enjoy dark matter it's it's a great great series i'm looking forward to it coming back so uh yeah that's on sci-fi uk for its third season on the 12th of june at 8 p.m that returns that's starting with a double bill after that it will be regularly on at 9 p.m so and there is a a uh, follow-up show as well uh, which is called After Dark, which is is going to be sort of chatting about things that went on in that episode. So that's airing straight afterwards as well. Uh, the Americans is back for its fifth season on ITV Encore. That starts at 10 p.m. 
one um, of the best things on TV, but frustratingly on a weird yes. obscure channel that's not available everywhere, which yes. is annoying. Yeah, it, it is a shame that. But yeah, the Americans, really, really good TV show. It's fifth season, ITV Encore. You can catch some of the earlier seasons, I think, on, I don't know whether they're on Netflix. They, I'm sure they're on Amazon Prime, though. So I think uh, they are, and they're certainly available on disc if you... Yeah, up, up to season three anyway and four is probably about due on yeah. disc if you want to do it that way so uh, yeah the American season five ITV Encore 12th of June at 10pm that arrives there's a new show called Fearless starting on ITV on the 12th of June at 9pm that's about a solicitor defending a man accused of murdering a young girl comes up against the police MI5 MI6 who don't seem to want her to get to the truth interesting okay again perhaps slightly unrealistic but obviously expecting something rather gritty Um, another kind of ITV police murder drama thing Yes, they they do slightly merge into one. Some of those sometimes. So, uh, but yeah, that that sounds interesting. Could be could be one worth watching. And Winona Earp is back for its second season on Spike on the thirteenth of June at nine pm, which is the uh, daughter of the legendary Old West lawman Wyatt Earp, who is uh, back in her hometown fighting off ghosts and monsters and uh, criminals and all sorts of other things. So uh, yeah, that's that's quite good fun that series, but. Uh, that's back on Spike on the 13th of June at 9pm so that's everything this week I think I think yeah um, I mean it's not strictly TV but it's definitely geeky by the time you are listening to this there will be a whole slew of new Apple products one would expect at the time of recording we are just waiting for the WWDC to start the the keynote speech that introduces every year certainly new software and rumour has it uh, there will be new hardware products as well yes yes which is is going to be quite major because they haven't done any major hardware for a very long time so particularly if they do updates to the iMacs and things it's been a while so it'll be be interesting to see what happens with that we will no doubt be covering that on the website definitely which is at geektown.co.uk which you can also go for TV news throughout the week and the latest air date information if you want to get in touch with your questions and comments you can email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message in the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown lots and lots of videos up there from mcm comic con if you want to go and look at those and uh, on instagram at geektown uk that's everything we shall see you next week bye bye fantastic see you bye Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.